Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan, Mr. Green, Sax. You've been playing some green in this format, my friend. Green is good, and and we, we can say it again. We can bring back the phrase, right? Yeah. Shout, shout out to Blue Green. Shout out to Blue Green. It is back, baby. Yeah. Yeah, it is back. And I think, I mean, even before seeing Sierkiewicz's tweet about that, um, if you don't follow him, you should. And yeah, his tweet about um, Blue Green being at the top of the heap of uh, the data. I don't know in what uh, time frame, like past week or something. I don't know how that's all filtered by, but whatever you filtered it by, Blue Green's on top. And you'll have to see it. <laughs> but we, we had uh, this outlined already just talking about Green. And I think Green is a big part of the format it does a lot of things i think multicolor green good stuff is like at its best one of the best we've seen it in a long time and there's a lot to talk about well and it also gets to play a good beatdown deck in green white i think it might be the next best color behind white like i'm not particularly <laughs> fussed about color power rankings but yeah. it does feel like if you're not white aggro the next most logical place to me to want to go is some sort of a green like if the game goes long, I'm going to win deck. Yes, I t totally agree. And we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit when we talk about our bucket. So yeah, uh, buddy, I am stoked. We were what, three days out? You've got you've got only two days of work. I've got two days of life back home. And then I guess three sleeps until getting on a plane to Chicago Wednesday morning and just snuggling up with you. I, I assume we just <laughs> just have one big king size bed for the two of us in our hotel room and going to jam some drafts on Thursday, get some paper time drafts. I did my first paper draft of the format, but yesterday had a, a good friend, Duncan, old metal ship on Twitch, if you know who that is, um, and works at an, in one of my uh, LGSs. And he like helped out doing like a sort of proper draft for me yesterday just to get my like, Ooh, was it called it wasn't called but like fanned out the picks you know to left and right that sort so of that thing. you're not fumbling your cards yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're stickier than they used to be i don't know if you've like it's harder to go through you the got, pack you got, that, you got that card art in there you know it's like a I guess, different glossier feel i guess that must be what it is yeah and I got to say, so bummer for uh, folks out there, but maybe it just means I'll be on coverage. Maybe just kind of sort of fingers crossed. But I tried to reach out to see if I could film my own draft for coverage per or content purposes. I was given the kibosh on that from folks on high. And I've been so I've been trying. I've been practicing like in my MTGO drafts just to sort of get in the rhythm of, you know, luckily I went to school for memorizing things. So it's not <laughs> that hard, but like just getting in the rhythm of not looking at my picks in the middle of the packs, you know, so I'll like if I draft on magic online, just like add all my cards to the sideboard. And then when there's a few picks left, like take a look at them before the next pack, whatever. It's really easy for me to remember the pick order. Really hard for me to remember what I took the cards over. It's yeah, like, you should not be spending any mental in energy on anything related to the like, podcast. A hundred percent of your focus <laughs> should be on drafting an insanely good deck. Okay. The content can wait, my friend. You need to do well at the but PC. Then, but how are we going to review my draft on the episode? It'll be okay. We'll we'll figure something out. You okay. can just give us the blow by blow of okay. how you felt okay. in the moment. Okay. We're gonna get we're gonna get the seat. We're gonna get the perspective of someone actually at the PT. It's gonna be gold for the podcast if you forget everything about the draft. You're just gonna yeah. be able to talk. You're, you're okay. a premium talker. I have no no worries about the content that is coming for the podcast. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. That's good. That's another there. There's many times as we'll, we'll talk about when we get to some of these draft logs at the end of the episode, many times where I have Ben Wernie on my shoulder, Ben Wernie, a, a voice in my ear just saying like, don't do that. <laughs> and so this is another good 
reminder for me. Just don't don't do that. Don't focus on that other stuff. Just focus on uh, on what you can control. My draft yesterday in paper was quite interesting. I started off with collect evidence Phoenix into shock. Got pushed off a red. Two, person two seats to my right was in blue red. Got pushed off a red. Moved into a nice base green. Uh, green black collect evidence had insidious roots had chalk outline had the goodies if yeah. you draft that deck at the pt i'm gonna be so stressed on your behalf Do, well wait why because of triggers and well triggers and we're gonna talk we're gonna outline this deck later in the episode if you have not had the pleasure we're of gonna playing chalk, chalk outline. outline the deck oh yeah. we're excuse me i yeah. fumbled that one there Sorry. <laughs> i was right there and i just bricked it into Action. the back yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah we're gonna chalk outline that deck and if you've not had the pleasure of playing with it yet, I, like I am full 360 plus convert from last week's episode. I still don't think it is like the be all end all in the format, but it's a it's a very good deck that you need to have as a tool in your tool belt for the format. And but it is you're a little bit at the mercy of what's opened in the packs. Like if you don't get the gravestone striders, which is the one three that filters mana and you can exile from your graveyard, exile another creature like it's a bit difficult to make it really pop off. Yeah, I had the, oh gosh, I forget what it is, but the, oh, the Curious Cadaver. That's the two blue black three one flyer. When oh. you sack a clue, uh, you can return it from your graveyard to your hand. That was my splash. I was like, I was basically base green, a couple black cards, and then was splashing that for blue because it's just absurd. Oh, also just binked Tireless Tracker, pack three, pick one. <laughs> no big deal. Oop, no big deal. Anyway, so I do think I, I agree with you about being at the mercy of it. It's so weird, like for lack of a better word, I think that kind of deck is more of a reward than a reason, but we're blowing it. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's do some housekeeping. Let's get into the episode. I'm so excited to talk about this format with you. First things first, Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lords of Limited. It's where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose. The show will always be free. Got a lot of great stuff happening via the Patreon page, you get access to the Lords of Limited Discord. Really excited to meet some folks from the Discord at MC Chicago. You started a MC Chicago channel there for the next week. Maybe we'll get to fire some drafts on Thursday at the hotel with some people, get some practice. Uh, ben and I will have tokens on us. If you want to come up and, and say hi, grab some tokens um, from us. May, I've, I have a few stickers left. We'll try and get some stickers out to people. So come get some swag. Please say hi. Excited to meet people at MC Chicago. Um, a lot of other great stuff as you move up the reward tier rankings of the Patreon. Get access to the show a day early, ad-free. Get access to the show notes. You can see the show in written form. You can, yesterday was fun. Ben was uh, messing with the show notes, and I was just typing to him. Sometimes that happens. <laughs> I time it just right, and I see him. Uh, adding to the, the <clears throat> Google Doc, I can message him in real time. Um, and of course, all the way up the reward tier rankings, you get access to uh, monthly coaching sessions with me or Ben. So if any or all of that sounds of interest to you, that's the place to head on over to. And we want to shout out our new patrons the first week that they joined. So this week, we're welcoming Thomas, Tim, Brock, Seth, Shane, James, Holden, Madeline, HT, Nate, Jason, Johannes, Jeremiah, and Nazkit. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, cannot say thank you enough. And as Ethan said, if you are at Chicago, please come up, please say hello. And I would like to not say thank you enough in person. The show is also brought to you by CoolStuffInc.com, where they've got cool stuff in stock. And right now, you better believe that cool stuff is Murders at Karlov Manor Play Boosters. I am going to purchase one of those boxes for in-person drafts. I'm, I'm ready. I'm bringing, bringing the packs with me. They're getting out of the closet. 
and they're coming to MC Chicago. And if you are going to Chicago, you need to get on CoolStuffInc.com and buy yourself a box of play boosters so that we can jam some drafts together. And if, unfortunately, you're going to have some FOMO for MC Chicago, you should still stock up on a box of murders at Carlisle Manor, and you know what to do. Stash it in that closet for a rainy day to bust out with some friends. And please, whenever you order anything at CoolStuffInc.com, make sure you use checkout code LOL, all caps, to let them know that we sent you over there. And I should say now... And get 5% off your order. There it is, 5% off. And I should say now that because next week we're doing our live episode uh, on the the main, the mana stage um, at MC Chicago, that's going to be our episode for the week. So we're recording that live on Sunday at 1230, if you're going to be at MC Chicago. And then, so there may be a delay in the episode release for that week. I think not. I think we're going to be able to just get the file from, you know, the folks running the, the convention and be able to get that up to you at a normal time. But if it's a little delayed next week, that's the reason. Okay. Format updates. Can we chat? We can chat. I think we can solidify some things we were dancing around that were said last week. I do think that it's a, I, I hate to say, I don't want to put this label on, but we often do like to say it's a whatever the three color format is. I do think it's a Naya format that does feel right to me. I do think there is, I think white is top of the heap. I think black is bottom of the heap. I think everything is playable. I think we really are in a, I'm mostly happy with all colors and all color pairs situation. How do you feel about that? Yeah, that's I feel good about that, too. And I almost want to push back about the Naya format mm-hmm. thing, because when we do that, usually like to me, that means like I'm aggressively trying to steer into those colors. Um, for me, it's almost a Selesnia format. Like I either I either am wanting to like start base white and be some sort of white aggro deck yes. or white go wide deck, or I want to start base green and play some sort of a late game deck or green white beatdown. But again, then I guess green white to me is a white deck more than it is a green deck. So well, for me, it's, it's almost yeah. those those two poles. And then the other stuff lives in the middle. But the nice thing is like there's other decks in there too. You know, there's streamlined blue red artifact synergy. There's, you know, if you get forced into it, streamlined red green beatdown with some some disguise creatures. So there's other stuff floating around. And there's many different flavors of all of those white and or green decks. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So that, that brings me to like sort of the, the buckets for me, again, and a way we try and contextualize things for the format. There's white aggro. And and maybe we would even say, is white go wide its, its own brand of that? And if so, which color pairs does that lend itself to? I mean, I certainly white red is the best, but at, like you can, the cool thing about white and the reason that white is so tough to stop is that between between dog walker and inside source and you know like certainly if you're in white red you get the the thopter maker the three two that flips and uh, mm-hmm. brings yeah. the thopter along with it but it's it's fairly trivially easy to go wide with the good comments if you get the inside sources and the dog walkers and then you pick up an on the job and boom like you've got a deck like e- even if you know you don't have super bomby cards and you're not like you you can play that as a package in a blue white deck that isn't a blue white detectives deck or you can play that as a package in a white black deck that isn't you know a, a focused two power or less deck and you you oftentimes will pick up synergies but just that collection of cards dog walker inside source on the job that's all you need to like close some games out <laughs> yeah no, and, totally. and obviously you're going to get uh, novice inspectors as well, which is just an insane Magic the Gathering card. It's just so easy to flood the board with permanence. Yeah. So I think there's there's white aggro as a bucket. There's green soup, green multicolor decks that I think 
any color pair for green can be a good home for these decks. Though I think black green and blue green are the best. Um, but I, I've definitely done it with green, white, and green, red. Those are often where you're like heavy green and then white's adding a little bit of support with removal, red similarly. And then I think the other bucket I have, the third bucket would be just sort of streamlined open color pairs. And the three that I have in that list are blue, red, which I think is is definitely the best of these. Blue red off the back of Satchel is incredible and Gear Drake is incredible. Like those are both just phenomenal cards. And uh red black which I'm I've cooled on slightly since from last week. I had some like real early fun and success with red black. I've cooled on it slightly. And I actually had a chance as we you know red green was a big question mark for us last week. I think neither of us had had a chance to play with it. New Year's resolution. I, I got to play with some red green, cast some fanatical strengths, the one in a green plus three plus three trample trick. That's the deck in my mind. I think I think it's not a unlike I think blue red. I think red black and red green are sort of tier two decks that you're you backdoor into when when you feel like you're trying to go maybe after a, a red white deck that's aggressive and then white is cut. I think red black and red green are great offshoots and just figuring out what the pieces that work with those decks respectively are. And I think for red green fanatical strength is a a huge piece of that puzzle. Yeah. For me, that's a part of the format that's a bit underexplored still because I've been trying so hard to start white or green. And I think you end up in that spot more when you start heavy red. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the start I was trying to do in that paper draft yesterday of the, you know, the collect evidence Phoenix into shock and let's do that. And then, well, if I hadn't, hadn't gotten pushed off of red fully, if you get pushed off of, you know, trying to go red, white, then those are good offshoots for you. And that leaves blue, black as my current vote for worst deck and also worst performing by top users on 17 lands. But I'd also draft this. I, I really think we're in an everything is viable format. I think I still am a believer of blue black actually having two flavors of I think blue black control is the base, but I do think you can do blue black tempo and you can do stuff with, you know, with your boy slimy dual leech and, you know, unscrupulous agent pumping that up after it's two for one, then whatever. I think you can do some blue black tempo stuff with Crime Stopper Sprite. But yeah, I like it's it's pretty refreshing to be in a hey, let's do everything. And I know you're even a big fan of what play boosters have done in terms of build arounds like that also is added. Like not only does it feel diverse in terms of what's viable color and color pair wise, but also just in terms of build arounds. It just feels diverse in terms of the cards that you see and the cards that are important. I mean, like white feels a little repetitive, but all Mm. of the other stuff feels very diverse to me and just a, a variety of decks that you're playing against. Yeah. This format feels like a breath of fresh air to me in terms of getting to engage with it in ways that I want uh, as far as like personally my my favorite thing in magic is when I get to play a deck that's trying to stabilize against good aggro decks but that I feel like that could push or pull either way Ooh. like and, and certainly I like playing on the aggro side too every once in a while but I, I'm living my best life when I'm at three (laughs) against an aggro deck that's starting to run out of gas. And I think this format provides a lot of that type of gameplay. And I've also, you know, been the red white player and just absolutely smashing and enjoyed that too. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's safe to say, like we've talked about white and I think white being very powerful or being the clear best color, it doesn't feel out of whack. Like it feels like it's within the calibration of draft is self-correcting. There are sometimes where people are like, well, draft is self-correcting. So you can play this terrible color when it's open. It's like, no, that color is still terrible when it's open. I don't think we're in that situation. And I think 
the the jig is up, the, the cat is out of the bag, whatever about white being really powerful, that it's enough contested, at least in the, the pods I've been in, that uh, it doesn't feel like that I'm like waiting for everybody else to catch up. It feels like we're, we're pretty much there. Sure. Yeah. Well, and I would say, too, the other thing that's been different for me is I've played infinitely more best of three early in the format than I would have otherwise. Like, I know I've said this before, but I'm, and I'm literally every set <laughs> and I'm sure I will be back to best of one again, but I'm, I'm kind of done with best of one for the moment. Like I, the thing that I would give best of one is that it's it's very convenient. Like and so I, I'm sure I will be back to playing best of one again because it comes in time chunks that are convenient for me, like mm-hmm. at certain times, like when I'm whatever, at the end of a long day of teaching. I don't necessarily want to sign up to play 50 minutes of magic in a best of three match. Like I can jam a couple best of one games and like get my fix that way. So I think it does that. But other than that, like it does truly feel so different from best of three, especially in a better format like this. Like I think the white thing could be exacerbated in best of one, but it, it really doesn't feel that way in best of three like yeah you play white like i've played a lot of white decks i've played against a lot of white decks but they're not like the super juiced versions that you'd face in best of one on arena with the hand smoother it just is a different thing and for me uh, it's a it's a more fun way to play magic so i have i've really enjoyed first of all just this format as a, as a whole was even enjoying it in best of one but i enjoyed it even more like significantly more once i started playing best of three on arena and mtgo yeah i'd co-sign that for sure uh, you've got a very important question here, Ben. Is Inside Source just better than Dogwalker? Do you think I that's think it, true? I, I think it is. Do you not? I mean, are we, we, I assume we're talking in the uh, arena of pack one, pick one. Yeah. I do not. I think Dogwalker's flexibility, like you talked about how, yes, dog, like, you know, the hybrid morph commons, you really don't often want to play them or they're so they're significantly worse outside of their respective homes, right? But you're still playing Dogwalker in all of your white decks and all of your red decks. And I think that gives it the bump for me personally. Pack one, pick one. What about when you, okay, what about when you know your white red? I still think Dogwalker because it's a two drop. Like Inside Source is really, really powerful. I agree. It's one of the best commons in the set. I just think that Dogwalker existing on a spot on the curve that disguised creatures do not or do not have to exist makes it better. Like I have felt such a pinch and it's so funny. Like I think we have, we come oftentimes at the end of sets, we're like, man, we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel for, uh, for the golden egg award. (laughs) This format has golden eggs in droves. I think, I think you could award three, four golden eggs to this format, but a lot of them are because they're two drops in a format where like, I still stand by what we said two weeks ago of like the good two drops are really important and the bad one like the, below that is bad and dog walker is really strong. I think. Yeah. And for listeners who have not been familiar with the golden egg discussion, that is like an underappreciated card mm-hmm. and sometimes colorless, sometimes not, but an homage to a card actually named golden egg from yeah, yeah. Eldraine. But I, I think that maybe this is just a personal hang up. It yeah. sounds like, but I think I have been, treating dog walker like it is preening champion and i i don't think it is that like preening champion from march of the machine and i think do you like, mean in I the have, sense of seeing it pick five and wanting to jump shit yeah, for it yeah and like okay. wanting to start to move into white or red and i think it is not 
that because I keep ending up in spots where then I've got like three dog walkers, but sometimes like, I guess I think dog walker is way worse when you're not white, I think, because you don't get to surround it with on the job. I mean, it's still good magic, the gathering card, but like it's not winning the game good when you're not playing it alongside on the job. And I keep ending up in spots where I'm like playing it as a double costed thing in not white red because I've maybe picked it too highly or let it derail my draft or whatever. And I I think my my life would be better maybe if I were picking in source inside source ahead of it or just moved it down slightly in my mental rankings that I quit ending up in that spot. But I just wanted to throw that out there because I I'm feeling that and I bet if I'm feeling that other folks are having that same same problem maybe and I can help help a few folks out there having a pity. Yeah, yeah. I mean they're all they're all uh, they're all up there. I mean I th- I, th- I do think for me I know you said that novice inspector is your best common in the set. I think for oh, me yeah. pack one pick one. I think I'm on dog walker because of that flexibility. Oof. It's just tough like dog walker, shock, inspector. Those are top 3 for me and then like inside source and makeshift binding like just on the outside looking in of that top 3. I think Are we doing talk- a limited tested me at, at Chicago? Do I need to get a copy of all the commons and uncommons? No, thank you. <laughs> no more No more testing. Just practice. Just practice. Just, just practice. All right. Enough of this white talk. Can we talk about green? We can before I get out there. The, the other thing I want to throw about just about format updates, I think the most important thing I'm focused on for my, my deck building, my drafting in the format right now is having a target point for when I want the games to end and how I want them to end and like Ooh. letting that inform my drafts and my decisions. And I think certainly white wants to have a plan for ending it very quickly, whether that's going wide with on the job or whether that's tempoing people out with blue white detectives or, you know, kind of getting in some chip damage with white black, that, that sort of thing. And white red obviously just wants to smork, but then like those green decks not getting caught in the middle. Like I, and again, like we say, don't be mid-range all the time, but like just knowing when and how I'm expecting the game to end. Because now that green is becoming a little more popular, and I do think it is, like I, I've lost some some games where matchups just felt unwinnable for me because my opponents had whatever, persuasive interrogator, the the four black, black, five, six that poisons you. And like in the control mirror, that card is unreal good. Yeah. So yeah. That's that's a really good point. I wanted to to just jump back to you talking about blue white detectives, and I know we had, we're mostly going to focus on green, but a card that has really impressed me, that I think we both wrote off in the crash course, has been Jaded Analyst. This is the one in a blue three two with Defender. Uh, whenever you draw your second card each turn, it loses Defender and gains Vigilance until end of turn. So this as a two three punch with um, Projector Inspector, like that. So then you play Inspector, you loot, you can attack with Analyst. It has vigilance when it attacks, so then it's still on blocks. And it's just a sort of like keyword bad card as well, where you're like, I'll trade this with a disguised creature happily, but your opponent isn't happy. Like, I've mostly faced this card and found it very difficult to interact with favorably. And then it also just randomly can attack in as for three, six, nine points of vigilant damage. Yeah, I'd buy it. I've mostly been pulling it in out of the sideboard mm. when I've been against aggressive decks in blue white detectives. Yeah. I think, I think that's the other great piece of its um, versatility is that it is just a good, like, again, it's a two drop that blocks great. And so you can play it 
yeah, bring it in out of the sideboard. When you're on the draw against an aggressive deck, just keep it in your main deck when you're playing blue, black control, whatever. Like, yeah, I think it's it's a pretty versatile card, I think. Like, well, and the other nice thing about it is you get it essentially for free in drafts, right. at least right now. Yes. Yeah, well, I think that'll probably, like, I don't, I don't think people will start to, to pick it highly, but yeah, we'll see. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Relationships take work is a phrase that I feel like is commonly thrown around, whether that's in your romantic relationships, work relationships, or just with friends. But I often feel like the work is best done on yourself so that you can come to any relationship as your best self. Therapy can be a great place to work through the challenges you face in all of your relationships. I know I've been talking to you about this, Ben, but I've been struggling with the communication, or lack thereof, between me and my parents recently, and I finally decided it's long overdue to start seeing someone about it. Even with only one session under my belt, I feel like I've been able to work through and think about things that have been bothering me with a new perspective. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Lords today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Lords. And now, back to the show. All right. Now can we talk about green? Now we can talk about green, baby. Green is back. And just let it be noted for the masses that we are high on green right now. Because we, yeah. we get a lot of, why do Lords of Limited hate green all the we time? Because green. green's yeah. bad a lot of the time. But yeah. when it's but great... We're going to be the first people here singing its praises. Yeah, green is really good. It gets so many great tools. And I think one of the tools it gets in abundance in this format is a lot of fixing. And we have a lot of, I think, differences, differences, opinions about these cards. So I'm just excited to chat with you. Um, but I listed all the colorless, all the ones that I thought were worth mentioning. There are a few left off this list. So if they're not on this list, that means I didn't think they were worth mentioning. But the ones that I did. I do. So first is Case of the Shattered Pact. This is the colorless two-mana case. Goes and searches up a basic when you play it. To solve it, you have a permanent of uh, all five colors. And then once it's solved, at the beginning of combat on your turn, uh, creature you control gains vigilance, flying, and double strike until end of turn. Where are you at on the case these days? I don't like it. I think you. the only place I would be potentially interested in playing it is alongside a killer among us because that gets you four of the five colors so yep. killer among us is the four and a green enchantment that brings the three one one tokens that all happen to be different colors white blue and red then you can sack it to put three plus and plus one counters on the one that you chose in secret when you attack so that's like a kind of cute one two wombo combo but if your plan is playing case of the shattered pact on turn two i think you're, you're gonna have a bad time in the format i agree I agree with that. I like Gravestone Strider quite a bit. We've talked about it in the context of the chalk outline um, Insidious Roots decks. This is the two mana, one, three artifact. It can filter a mana once a turn. And then if it's in your graveyard, you can pay two to exile it and exile another card from a graveyard. So you, I put this on the list and you you had some, some qualms, some questions. Well, to me, like I have just personally yet never used this as fixing, but I've, I've also oh. largely been playing streamline two color decks or green decks splashing one color. I've not been like crazy on the colors since the very first few drafts I did. Huh. But to me, I view this more as a combo piece for chalk outline decks where you're, you know, you can exile two things from your graveyard, get two triggers off chalk outline. Yeah, I think that's a right way to think about it. I think there's a little bit of a, a chain reaction, perhaps of like, if you're a heavy green deck, like your green decks, I think more often than not, can 
maybe more often than not, it's not a wrong way to say it. But for my my green decks, if you're getting the collect evidences, if you're getting the V2 Gazi 1-3 reaches, if you're, you know, if you're doing the thing, you're probably a good chalk outline deck. And so then you're also interested in Gravestone Strider. I think it's a bit of a chicken and egg or every piece of the buffalo thing where you're like, well, do you have any artifact synergy? Do you have leave the graveyard synergy? Do you need a two mana like curve filler piece? Like there's many of those boxes you can check the happier you are with that card. And I think it's also, you know, worthwhile to have, let's say you're, you're in green, black splashing that curious cadaver, like a card that you're like, I don't need to cast this like on time really. And so like, I can just have two gravestone striders and an Island. And like, that can be my fixing for it. You know, I think when you're less, when you, it's less necessary for you to like really be able to cast the thing on time or on curve or at all. I think striders. Okay. is fixing there too. Yeah. And just to, to shout you out, like your, as many pieces of the Buffalo has, illuminated the way forward for me in the format like just as a kind of a way to approach the format because i think you have to play cards that are not like the most intrinsically yeah. powerful like a starling gorehound or a topiary panther or whatever and like that's a big way to get an edge in the format is if you are like ringing every drop of value out of those type of commons compared to other people who are playing those cards and are not ringing every every drop of value out of those cards. I'm going to jump ahead to a card on this list that I know you and I are high on, but I've had multiple people in our Discord, on Twitter, on streams, whatever, like ask questions about it. This is Aftermath Analyst. This is the one in a green, oh. one, three. When ETBs, you mill three cards and you can pay three in a green, uh, sacrifice it to return all land cards from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. I think this card is excellent. The biggest buffalo. The biggest buffalo. And it's just so like, this is, I think, if you don't play cube a lot, like cube is a lot about like how many like little Charlie days, it's always sunny meme dots can I connect things to, you know, like an aftermath analyst, it doesn't take much where you're like, well, can you mill a rubble belt maverick? Can you mill a leering onlooker? And so then you're going to get your free bats at some point down the road. Like, it doesn't take much more than that slash. You're going to get a block sack ramp some point down the road. Plus it's just a two mana one, three, which I think is a fine stat line in the format. Like just check, check, check. How many of those boxes can you check? It's a really good card. Yeah. Aftermath analyst is incredible. Also great alongside the next piece of fixing that we're going to touch on, which is escape tunnel where you can sack to search up a basic land or you can sack it to make power two or less creature unable to be blocked this turn. I have not used that mode yet, but I have been searching up quite a bit of basics with escape tunnel. Yeah. Escape tunnel is awesome. Public thoroughfare, less awesome. I think, I think you really want this. Like I've been most impressed with this alongside your boy, novice inspector. Like I think the more you can tap artifacts for this rather than actual lands, like when it's not taking a whole turn or two mana for you to do it, but it's there. It's there for you for sure. And certainly in sealed, like premium, mm-hmm. like really want to open some public thoroughfares in your sealed pool. I talked about I'm super high on analyze the pollen. This is the rare single green search up a basic or if you collect evidence eight, you can search up a creature. I think this is like it's just such a pull, honestly, into this deck for me because it then it sort of illuminates a lot of things or bumps up things like I'm really high on the two slash six split cards to enable this. And whatever, all you need is your your interrogators, your four black, black, five, six, make a clue, poison them out. Like that's worth tutoring up. And that's a win con or a big body plus a 
card draw engine. Like it's just, I just think analyze the pollen is great. Yeah, I also love that card. Nervous Gardener up next, the one on a green 2-2 to search up a basic uh, when you disguise it and then flip it up for a green. To me, this is the best green common, not particularly close, but there's been a lot of discussion in the Lord's Limited Discord between this and Tunnel Tipster. Oh. And I think Tunnel Tipster also great, but to me, they're each better in respective decks, right? Like Nervous Gardener is best in blue-green and green-black, and Tipster is better in red-green and green-white. But like, but they're I also great green... together because Tipster on two, Gardener flip up on three is a great play pattern. Two good tastes that taste good yeah, together. Exactly. <laughs> but I think I personally I want to end up in blue green and, and green black much more than I want to end up in the other two green decks. So mm-hmm. I, I like picking Nervous Gardener higher. I like one of them also is just a two for one and one is not. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's a point in Nervous Gardener's favor. And I will note too now that I've been playing this card more and playing against it more. If you're playing against green, you should really try to avoid trading disguised creatures if you can early in the game, because it's so backbreaking when your opponent plays this on three and then they attack and you block and they flip it up, get a basic like you just feel like you got sucker punched in the stomach. I mean, like it's not game losing, but it's a good bit of value when this trades for another morph and gets a land. Totally agree. All right. I'm excited to talk to you about this next one. They went this way. This is the tuna green sorcery search up a basic land, put it into play tapped and investigate. I think this is a really clutch card for this color to have and for this style of deck because it ramps fixes and gives you a card back slash like if you have any clue synergy stuff works well there. But seems like you're not into it. I've been hoping to not play it. I think this is a tiny buffalo and a and a dangerous buffalo to be trying to kill and eat because you're taking turn three off, which is which is tough. That's a tough sell in this format to not impact the board. I don't I'm gonna push back on that because I agree that it's a tough sell to not impact the board, but you can make up for it in droves if your fives and sixes are good enough. Like right. If you because if you assume all your opponent is doing on turn three, likely is playing a two two. Like you can catch up from that pretty effectively, especially in green. If you're just slamming like, oh, here's my turn four five five. Like it's like, oh, okay, that's big. But like usually, if you're in these soup decks, you got better stuff to do than just vanilla stuff on turn five or turn six. And this is then puts, I think, importantly for the deck, half of collect evidence six in the graveyard. Okay, yeah, you're selling me again. Yeah, where are you picking it? Like, not highly. Not highly. Right? You don't. You don't have to, and nor should you. But I think like it was a card that for a while I was. I think had a similar feeling as you of like hoping like there's better things to do with this. But like the fact that it just like it, there's just again how many boxes does it check? And it checks a lot of boxes a lot of the time. And I think fills out a part of the curve that you could just do with a disguised creature on three. But these decks oftentimes want to skip over that. Like I would rather play my disguise things face up in this deck a lot of the time because it saves me mana. And so like, let's just get to that mana that let's get to that five mana, six mana stuff a little earlier. And this is like a green, blue, green, black card only, right? You're not playing this in green, white or green, red. Assuming that you're not splashing, like again, if you're in yeah, that yeah. sort of like heavy green, if we're talking about, I, I'm I'm thinking of them less distinctly than you're. I'm thinking of them differently, distinctly than you. I'm I have them in sort of like green, white, and green, red as like beatdown decks in their respective yes. ways. Yes, and then just green soup decks, which are often which could also be green, red, or green, exactly. white base. 
that but just are really, splashing like, a bunch of, right, right, right. Exactly. They're like, it's like base green and then you're playing makeshift bindings and novice inspectors because those are good cards. But like, right, you're and then basically. Splashing cards of other colors. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. The red or white might happen to be your secondary <laughs> yeah, color I'm, in I'm a like, deck full of colors. Five mountains and or five planes in those decks, but I don't know if I'd call it a green red deck. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and lastly, we talked about the biggest buffalo of them all last week, Topiary Panther, the, the 4GG 6-5 trample with basic land cycling, one and a green. Yeah, I mean, just like collect it. Like it, it is really important that you are cognizant of what your collect evidence life is like. Like, and in terms of like the way you're thinking about analyze the pollen as collect evidence eight. Okay, then that bumps up the two slash slick six split cards. How many of my bite down on crimes do I have or my V2 Gazi inspectors? Like how many of those do I have that I need collect evidence six for? Topiary Panther. The more that you don't have to work towards collecting evidence with more than one card, the better your evidence collecting is going to be. And that's where I think Topiary Panther shines. Yeah, you got to put on that sleuth hat and be a good detective. Exactly. All right. So we've got all this fixing. I guess the biggest question is why? And for the first time in a while... I, first of all, we've said we've said it in previous weeks. Green gets to be a little truly big, like compared to the other colors, but it also just gets some excellent late game rares that are reasons for the game to go long, which has been lacking in some other formats. And they're and they're just rares, sadly, sadly or not sadly for limited. Like they're not mythics. Like I mean, I I think not sadly. <sighs> I think if these rares weren't rare, I, I think the format would be a little worse. Like green getting to do some cool stuff is fun. So I think like top of the heap, and I do think, I think this is, is this the best, best rare in the set? Maybe Izoni center of the web for black green, five, four menace. When he ETBs or attacks, you can collect evidence for, if you do create two, two, one black and green spider creature tokens with menace and reach, and you can sack four tokens, surveil two, then draw two and you gain two life. Yeah. This card's incredible. I would say best rare in a set. The other card that I think is the best rare for this kind of deck is Doppelgang. This is the triple X green blue sorcery. For each of X target permanents, create X tokens that are copies of that permanent. You can't like X equals two, you win the game. Yeah, the card's incredible. I played a super fun match. This was the uh persuasive interrogator match oh, I was referring yeah, yeah. to. It was my opponent had persuasive interrogators and I did not, but we both had doppelgang. And it was a it was like a war of like who was gonna cast their doppelgang and untap and crack two clues and win. <laughs> I played against it was a very cool match played against doppelgang like I had a control deck and my opponent did two and their control deck had doppelgang and mine did not and so I lost game one to doppelgang for three and then I brought in two copies of the bounce spell the bounce and surveil that I was like I'm never never playing this otherwise oh and they also had some makeshift bindings that I was like oh bounce spells good against like makeshift binding a thing I'll bounce back to my hand instead. That was like my old, I was like, I'd rather two for one than f- get four for one against Doppelgang. <laughs> so like you want to Doppelgang X equals two. I'll just bounce both things in response instead. Um, you got you to gotta scrap. You got to get scrappy against Doppelgang. The card's busted. Yeah, card's real good. There's also Case of the Locked Hothouse. I have not played with this yet, but I've been on the receiving end of it being solved. And it is future sight and it's quite good. So it's three and a green. You can play an additional land on each of your turns to solve it. You control seven or more lands. And then when it's solved, you can look at the top card of your library anytime and you can play lands, cast creatures and enchantments from the top of your library. I had the pleasure of playing this for the first time the other day. I can, can attest solving it. It's better than future sight because you can play two, oh, can you play you two can, lands, you yeah, yeah, yeah. two lands from the top. And like just I think like green, probably those like I don't know. I had this in a green white deck that was a bit more rampy than aggro. 
but was still quite good and just solving this wins you the game it's insane all right you're at the pt pack one pick one case of the locked hot house or dog walker where you at dog walker that doesn't feel close i think like case of locked hot house is powerful but i i don't think it's like i don't think it's izoni or doppelgang busted like it's not even close to those i think i miss fun streamer ethan Sachs. wait a minute <laughs> no you're in my head saying take dog walker and you know it <laughs> Shout out to you and shout out to Lindworm lovers across the land. Glintweaver is great. Five green green, three three reach. Enters the battlefield, distribute three. Plus almost one counters among one, two, or three target creatures. Then you gain life equal to the greatest toughness among creatures you control. It's nice that green gets like something worthwhile like this at non-rare too. Yeah, and this is not a reason to go no. for the game to go late, but certainly a very nice benefit that you will likely not have to pick super highly because other people can't use them i think that's the cool thing about green is that you get good cards late like doppelgang because right. other people can't use and them. and then you also get weirdly good cards late that people should be using like v2 gazi inspector like why is that like that card is this is the one three reach collect evidence six that card's very good and i see it criminally late on like mtgo cues like i'm not like where it should people should be evaluating this card effectively and i just don't get it and the, the other thing I think we should clarify or just chat about is we, we keep both using control, I think. And to me, they're not control decks like these green decks. They are like almost ramp decks or like late game decks. But they're not like packing tons of removal, packing tons of card advantage. Like the card advantage is baked in and clues like they are. Can I spend way more mana than you to play much cooler stuff than you are playing and win the game that way? Well, so then I guess how I define, I, I think I would say, well, how do you define a control deck then? Because for me, I define control and aggro as an aggro deck is a deck that the shorter the game is, the more likely it is to win. And a control deck is the longer the game goes on, the more yeah, likely Yeah, I guess so in win. the broadest sense, it is that way. But to me, like control denotes like blue black, like you're playing some card, yeah, you're playing some counter spells, you're playing your some removal. showing <laughs> <laughs> Nefalia Drownyard is your win condition. Yeah, but like, so I truly think a, a better way to contextualize these green decks for people maybe that haven't played them or drafted them is like, you never want to miss a land drop and you want to spend all of your mana every turn and you want to be spending way more mana than the opponent is on cool stuff. <laughs> Emphasis, the cool is the really important part. Brought to you by coolstuffinc.com. <laughs> <laughs> They've got your green cards in stock. Nicely done. Nicely done. We've also got Enlisted Worm on this list. One of the uh, list cards uh, for green-white for the 5-5 five, five with Cascade. This card is just right at home in these green decks and is such a beating. And we've talked about it before, but Repulsive Mutation is excellent. This is X green, blue, instant. Put X plus plus one counters on target creature you control, then counter up to one target spell unless its controller pays mana equal to the greatest power among creatures you control. Card plays great in multiple situations and is powerful in all of those situations. Yeah. All right, we've got a, a spot here to talk about collecting evidence with payoffs and enablers. And I think this this kind of dovetails into chalk outline. Yeah. As a deck. But I think the important thing to distinguish for me is that like there's two very distinct types of decks. There are like chalk outline decks where you're going pretty hard after chalk outline. And then there are just good green collecting evidence decks where what you're talking about where you're like you've got these cards that you want to be able to collect the evidence for and you're trying to clock okay topiary panther is six evidence yeah and these split cards are eight evidence or what have you 
Like those are two distinct things in my mind. Like I've had great blue green collect evidence decks that would not have been super interested in chalk outline. I think that's fair. I think there's over like they're not tangential circles. There is a Venn diagram there. There's an overlap. But I agree you can think about them as separate decks. Yeah. And I just think it's important to know which one you're drafting towards. Like if you're drafting towards a chalk outline deck, the Gravestone Strider is going to be like you're fine fourth picking that because you don't want to risk it not wheeling or whatever. And if you're not chalk outlining, you're probably not making that pick or whatever. Right. So I think a couple of enablers, the, the best one, and I think this card has just been incredible, like keeps going up and up and up for me is Forensic Researcher, the two and a blue one three. But you can untap another permanent you control and you can tap it to collect evidence three to tap target creature you don't control. That card is like that is a collecting evidence card. Like if you want to get some collect evidence triggers, that is one of the best ways to do it. I mean, you love the phrase two way player. I mean, this is this just this this is I don't know what's the sports analogy for this, but this card just plays every position, right? It's like it's a good, good on turn three as like, you know, you can bounce off a disguised creature and then ramps you in those first two turns where it's on the battlefield. And then is a removal spell that also triggers your collect evidence stuff. Like, what can't this card do? Big Buffalo. Big Buffalo. Evidence Examiner, also here, green, blue for a 2-2 at the beginning of combat on your turn. You can collect evidence for whenever you collect evidence, investigate. The dream curve of Rebel Belt Maverick on one, mill something that costs four or more, and then play this on two, collect evidence immediately, is sick. And this just is one of those cards where it's like, the longer the game goes on and the more your deck can effectively utilize this, like can self mill, can surveil, can, you know, cast things that are getting into the graveyard spells like they went this way, whatever, the, the more powerful this is. Yeah, that, that, that card is one of the reasons that blue green is a very good deck. The other thing that we haven't talked about much that I have come way up on since playing best of three, and this is not in the show notes at all, but Loxanon eavesdropper, the three and a green three three when it ETBs investigate. And when you draw your second card, you can give it plus one plus one in vigilance till end of turn. That card is really good. Like that might be better than nervous gardener. I don't know. They're, they're good at different things, but Loxanon eavesdropper is good in any green deck. It gets good in yep. the beatdowns. It's good in the late game ones because it, it gets you to the four mana mark and then keeps the gas flowing with the clue while also being a defensive body. And in the best of three cues, like the, the good cards dry up a little bit quicker. Yeah. And you just you don't end up with as insane looking decks as you would in, in the best of one cues on arena. And Loxodon eavesdropper has been incredibly good for me and incredibly good against me. Uh, just in the in a little bit stiffer of cues. I have well, really liked that card. And I think notably, again, it's a card that like it replaces itself. And then it then you you trade this off with anything and your opponent wants to get it off the battlefield. And then it's a four mana thing sitting in the yard for examiner or a card that I want to shout out. You have as tier two hedge whisperer. This is a single green O3. You can choose not to untap it during your untap step. Three in a green tap, collect evidence for to turn a land into a five five green plant boar creature token with haste for as long as it remains tapped. I really like Hedge Whisperer. I, I don't I know if I almost think in, I almost introduced you as Ethan Hedge Whisperer Sachs, but I thought that <laughs> I thought that was going to be a little too niche. Yeah, that might be a little too niche. Am I the, am I the champion of this card? I think so. I I have not been particularly impressed playing with it or against it. It's tough to find the time 
to to do that. Oh, this and is, the, this and the, is man, the problem. I see the problem you have is that you're not casting They Went This Way. Because when you cast They Went This Way on three, then on turn four, you get to make a 5-5 five, five and attack with it because you have five lands in play. Yeah, but you don't necessarily have four evidence in the yard yet. All I need is one other thing because I have They Went This Way. All I need is one more mana of evidence to collect. I have not done the wombo combo. So you're, again, more, uh, you could see the whole buffalo. <laughs> this is a very much a you format. It I'm, is. So ex- it I'm is. so excited for you to draft this at the PT. Yeah, this does, it does feel, I'm like, I'm very, for many reasons, very happy that this is uh, the format I get to draft at the PT. But yeah, I think Hedge Whisperer is quite good outside of whatever, you know, red, green beats, green, white beats. I, I c- c- cannot see cutting Hedge Whisperer from decks. I have, I mean, but I have, I, I am not playing it alongside. They went this way. Yeah. All right. So that takes us to chalk outline. It's so interesting if- that you keep calling it chalk outline because I actually think insidious roots is better. I've come down, I figured it out and I'm on, I'm on team roots. Wait, what? Yeah. I'm on team. No. Roots. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure next week I'll be like, but yeah, you're, you're so right. But I, not this, not today. But I, I don't need to lead off on that because I think all of the things we're going to talk about with the deck, it's it's a, the same. The, the deck is triggering both of those cards, I think. Yes. So uh, we should say what both those cards do. So chalk outline, three and a green enchantment. Whenever one or more creature cards leave your graveyard, create a 2-2 white and blue detective creature token, then investigate. And insidious roots is whenever a creature card leaves your graveyard, you make an 0-1 plant token. Put a plus one plus one counter on all your plant tokens. All your plants. Your to- plants. All your plants. Period. Plants. Excuse me. Yeah. And then you can tap your tokens for mana of any color. Yeah. And the, the the two enchantments are best friends for sure. I, I think chalk outline is the more powerful of the two personally, but seems like we're going to maybe hear a differing opinion from that as well. But basically, what you're trying to do, and you said this last week, but I just want to more explicitly state it. And I've played the deck more, and I, I see the light a little bit more. The trick to popping off is you really want cards that can remove themselves from the graveyard. So Rubble Belt Maverick, which is a single green 1-1, one, one, ETB Surveil 2, which also then dumps other things in the graveyard sometimes. I, like when you hit a Gravestone Strider off your Rubble Belt Maverick, you, you just feel like you want triple sevens at the slot machine. Yeah, like, Rubble so Belt good. Maverick is the most important piece of this deck's puzzle, I think. More than Gravestone Strider. Yeah, because of what you just said, because it does both, right? It coming into play has the chance to mess with stuff. Plus, like, it doesn't have to be just milling a Gravestone Strider. It can just be binning a creature that you then are going to collect away later. Like, And then the fact that it removes itself for only one mana, I think Maverick is the most important piece. I personally am a little higher on Gravestone Strider. Wow. (laughs) I mean... To teach their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like we're still dialing in on the optimal builds of these archetypes, potentially. Yeah. Uh, I'm also come around big time on your boy Leering Onlooker. It Oof. is so good in these decks. One in a yeah. black, one, three flyer, and you can pay two BB to exile it to make those two one, one bats. So those types of cards that can get themselves out of the graveyard, combined with creatures that collect evidence so that you can keep your creature count high. So that takes us back to the Forensic Researcher, the one, three that can collect evidence to tap something. Sample collector, less so because that one has to tap. That's two and a green for a two, three that can collect evidence three on attacks. But more than anything, you you care about cards that can get themselves out of the yard. And the best one of all is honestly Curious Cadaver. This is not a blue black like grind them out card. This is a combo card in these these collect evidence decks um, that use chalk outlines. So this is two blue black for a three one flyer. And when you sack a clue, you can return it from your graveyard to your hand. 
So what you ideally are doing with this, like you can just cast it, block, goes to the graveyard, get it back by cracking a clue, but it's really sick if you can combine it with looting effects. So the best one is Projector Inspector, uh, which is the two and a blue three two that whenever a detective ETB is, you get to loot. And it it goes so well with Chalk Outline because Chalk Outline makes a detective. So then all of a sudden, every time you crack a clue, you can rebuy Curious Cadaver from your graveyard to your hand and then discard it to Projector Inspector's trigger to put it back in the yard. So you just start this engine where every time you crack a clue, you trigger Chalk Outline and you can just churn through your deck and <laughs> put out an absurd board of detectives. So that one's really cool. You can also, to a lesser extent, do it with Furtive Courier, which is two and a blue for a 3-2, which can't be blocked as long as you've sacrificed an artifact this turn. And whenever it attacks, you draw a card, discard a card. So that one you can't pop off quite as hard, but it does give you, like, reliably with Curious Cadaver, two Chalk Outline triggers. Yeah. Ooh. And I, I think the the biggest issue I've run into with this deck is it struggles against Flyers. So you, you really have to pump up V2 Gazi Inspector. And then you're also, like... This is where I was talking about, like, knowing how you want the game to end. Like, you want the game to go really long with this deck, ideally, um, or at least until you can combo off and then the game will be over <laughs> shortly. But you need some catch all removal. And a couple times I've built it without catch all removal and you can really get smashed by your opponent just playing some good rares. So I think the V2 Gazi Inspector and a couple ways to deal with anything are also in order for the deck to be seriously competitive. But it is a blast to play and a blast to draft like. This is what we've been asking for, like build arounds that change the value of your pick order and chalk outline is that in spades. It is awesome. The two pinches that I have felt in like the competitive drafts that I've done, either with the the folks from Team Sanctum or in the like single limb phantom drafts on Magic Online are two drops and removal like those are the things that i feel like i've my my years of playing best of one i've taken for granted being able to get those things and and the, like I'm, I'm fully calibrated now but took me a little bit i'd be like oh i can i can get one of those later and you just never can but i had that yesterday like the the green black deck that i had that just had all of the pieces to this puzzle i only ended up with one piece of removal i had one bite down on crime because every like in my defense every time like you know, pack three, pick one, there was a murder and I was going to take it and play it, but there was tireless tracker. I'm not passing tireless tracker. So like right. I had like spots where I was like, I do have to take this more powerful thing, but you're not guaranteed to see those things. And then you just have to like hold on to that bite down on crime for dear life because you're going to see your opponent's best cards when this, when you're playing a deck like this, because you want the game to go so long. Yeah. So my one, before we get into a, a draft log or two here, my one selling point for Insidious Roots greater than Chalk Outline is I think the idea is that Chalk Outline has a higher floor, right? You need less, like, I think we could agree that Insidious Roots is better if you are all in on this. Like, if you've got 10 plus ways to trigger stuff, Insidious Roots, and, and maybe you, I don't know if you've seen this, but like, Insidious Roots pops off and it like, because you get the mana and the things are all growing, you've got a three, four, a two, three, a one, two, whatever. Like it's huge. But if you only have like six ish ways to do it, chalk outlines better. Cause all you need to do is trigger chalk outline once. And you got your two, two, you got your cards, whatever. My argument is I don't think you want to be playing chalk outline in that latter style of deck. I think chalk outline is too clunky. If you're like, I didn't, maybe I didn't quite get there. I've only got half a dozen ways. I'm not like doing the, I'm not all in on Mavericks and Striders, et cetera. 
and outline also exists higher on the curve, like where you don't want to do nothing for four mana, but like turn two, you're okay to do roots on two, set it up for later. Outline is awkward because I think you're sometimes behind a little bit with these decks as you're setting up all of your intricate pieces. And it feels like sometimes you don't have time to tap out for four or not tap out, but just pay four mana for chalk outline. And so that's my selling point for, I think roots is better when you're all in on the strategy exists at a lower part of the curve. And when you're not all in on the strategy, I'm, I think, I think you can just put chalk outline on the sideboard in your sideboard and just be fine with your collecting evidence stuff that you have. And you're, you're saying just so I'm clear on what your position is, because I I think everything you're saying checks out to me. You're also not playing insidious roots in, in a deck that is not all in, right? Correct. Like, like that is horrible if you've only got six or seven ways to trigger. Correct, right? So I basically, I'm just saying I'm not interested in half measures with this deck. Yes, I and agree. And so yes. when I'm full measured, I'm much, like if I'm if I'm full measured going into pack three and I see roots versus outline, I'm definitely taking roots. That's my feeling. Yeah, I, I, that, that checks out with me. Oh. I, I would buy it. That wasn't as exciting of an argument as I was no, hoping. No, 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 no. I, like, I can see it. I have not popped off, but I've also not, like, gotten a premium, premium version yet, mm-hmm. other other than doing the the Projector Inspector Curious Cadaver Loops. With I, haven't, I haven't done Projector. Your Projector Inspector is so good. It's so good. The best blue common yeah. by miles. Miles, yeah. All right, we're going to take a look at a couple draft logs here from my Magic Online Streets. You ready to sit down at a round table here? Or should I sit I down at a round table? No, I, I, I will. I would be glad to sit down at a round table. All right. So pack one, pick one. You see the following cards as options. Commons in consideration. I think there's really only one, which is makeshift binding to and white enchantment. Uh, when an ETBs exile target creature and opponent controls until makeshift binding leaves the battlefield, you gain two life. I've had multiple times. Just want to shout out my vengeful creeper love. That's the five, five disguise when it flips up blow up a thing like so many times my opponent plays the binding go to target something i go nope flip it up kill that thing we're good i think i mean again it's it's still just filler but filler plus but there's a couple other removal spells that common here murder and bite down on crime crowd control warden as the green white uh disguise four four when etbs are uh is flipped up you put x plus most one counters on it where x is the number of other creatures you control um but I don't think those hold a candle to one of the uncommons, and we'll chat about the rare as well. Uncommon is Private Eye. One white, blue, three, three. Other detectives you control get plus and plus one. Whenever you draw your second card each turn, target detective can't be blocked this turn. But Ben, we don't we don't first pick gold cards and limited, right? It's too constricting. I mean, I don't I don't love to. <laughs> <laughs> would you make an exception for this detective? I would, depending on what else is in the pack. Yeah. I mean, Private Eye is first pickable for sure. It's a okay. very good card in blue white. Um, there's a slimy dual leech here. I don't think that's in the conversation. And the rare, I think, is worth talking about. Connecting the dots, one in a red enchantment. Whenever uh, a creature you control attacks, exile the top card of your library face down. And you can pay one in a red, discard your hand, sacrifice connecting the dots, put all uh, cards exiled with connecting the dots into their owner's hand. We got some feedback on our YouTube video last week because we talked about loving this card, uh, that this has abysmal toilet ratings on uh, 17 lands. And I couldn't care less. I'm going to be honest. Like this card, is, <laughs> this card has been nuts for me every time I've played it. I don't know what people are doing wrong with this card. I don't know how you can misplay with this card or misbuild with this card, but it's phenomenal. And was like definitely what I was considering picking between this and Private Eye. 
Yeah, connecting the dots is very strong. You have to be dedicated aggressive because, right, the card does nothing if but you're that's not aggressive. Not but that's a, that's a low bar yes, yeah. for red decks and certainly for red-white, which is, I think, connecting the dots best home. Yeah. For me, this is between Private Eye and Makeshift Binding. Yep. And I, I think I land on Makeshift Binding for a couple reasons, which is, I think, and you and I have talked about this a couple times, like you've been sending me logs mm-hmm. for the PT. And, and you've been scolding me appropriately. I, <laughs> well, I just think, like, there are so many ripple effects from your first four picks in this format in yep. terms of what you're able to do the rest of the draft because... The format's really powerful. Like you're going to see good cards. Like it is it is next to impossible, I think, to not draft a good deck in this format if you have the appropriate card evaluations. Like you're either going to see just powerful cards that win games on their own and or you are going to be in an open color, color pair. pair. Yeah, like a, or you're going to be in a synergistic deck full of Correct. commons and uncommons that work super well together. It's yeah. really hard to not end up in one of those two spots, I think. Yes. So to me, like we always talk about staying open in draft, and I think this is a staying open format. Like I think you want to read the table to a certain extent, but there's also times when you can like say, okay, I've got X number of white cards, like I'm going to play white, and then I'll figure out what my second color is, you know, because white's likely going to be contested, but then you can find one of the other four color pair, colors to pair with your white. But I think the thing I have not liked much in this format, normally we we tout that there you can also stay open by going like white card, green card, red card, blue card, and then like four different colors in your first four picks, you're still open and you've got a lot of good cards and then you can hone in on a color pair. I have liked that style of staying open significantly less. So in a, in a format where I did like that style of drafting, like I'd be fine jamming private eye here first and then like snagging a black card and snagging a red card and then seeing seeing how it all shook out. Like I have very much liked following a, a trail in this format of like one color, like trying to get deep into a color because that lets you then, I think, gives you time to find the second open color. And a lot of times that can reap huge rewards in pack three with rares if you read it right. And I also think it gives you a lot of agency over what happens to you in the draft. Like with this project, with the private eye pick, you're either either blue white is going to be open or you're abandoning it. And I think makeshift binding, it's much higher chance that it ends up in your deck. And I think they're similarly powered cards and makeshift binding has just been incredible every time I've played with or against it. And I, I think everything you said, too, about removal being a choking point, like certainly in higher draft pods, I, I really like makeshift binding pack one, pick one over private eye here. I think you're right. I, I'm sold. I have no defense for my private eye pick at the moment. And I I think makeshift, if, if I sat down and saw this pack at the PT, I would take makeshift binding. So, but I think the more interesting thing about it is, because that's not like obvious pack one, pick one. Like, I think most times I would say, sure, private eye or makeshift binding. It depends on what you feel. But like you immediately see the ripple effectionist. So pack one, pick two, we take a market watch phantom, which is the one in a white two, two um, that jumps in the air when there's a creature power two or less pack one, pick three, you take an inside source. And so if you have binding, then you can say like, I'm playing white, I'm playing if you've white got in, inside source. If you've got inside source, market watch phantom and, and makeshift binding at the PT or something, you can say I'm playing white. Even if it dries up from here, I'm white is deep enough and good enough that I am still going to get some white cards from either direction and you can pair another color with it. Whereas when you have private eye market watch phantom and inside source, if exactly blue white isn't open, you feel pretty bad about hanging on to 
Market Watch Phantom and Inside Source. And makeshift binding is just eminently splashable. Like even if I get moved off of white, and then the most likely thing that happens if I get moved off of white is that I'm going to move into green. As I end up doing with a pack one pick four aftermath analyst, the one to green one three mill three, uh, and then you can sack it to return lands um, from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. But I, that's oh. that's the other pick I want to dive in on. Yeah. So let's let's say you took your your route through the draft. Let's yeah, say you yeah. took Private Eye into Market Watch Phantom into Inside Source. Yes. And you've got this choice between Aftermath Analyst, and there's also, there's no white cards in the pack. There's there Case a, of the Uneaten Feast. Oh, excuse me. There's <laughs> Case of the Uneaten Feast. I'm sorry. Yes. But there is a Crime Stopper Sprite, which is two and a blue for a two, two, tap something down, and you've got flying. I think if you you took private eye pack one pick one you're which, saying i would I like did. to draft blue white detectives uh-huh and i think you then have to take crime stopper sprite here over aftermath analyst and just go blue white because i think your first picks inform so much of what you want to do or where you're hoping to end up in this format that i i really don't like the aftermath analyst pick over crime stopper sprite if you've if you've taken private eye cuz like the, your gut feeling is uh, white's cut but like we don't even know if there was a white common in this pack pack one pick four like it's such a like that's the thing i've had to temper for myself but we do know there pick. was a white or like we knew we know white or black is missing out of this pack yes because there there is no black common and you yeah. you could herald a guess that it is probably a white common but you don't yeah. know for sure i don't think i have like you're saying i have to take crime stopper sprite if i ben is describing the exact path that happened which is i took private eye then i took market watch phantom second the two two uh, for two mana and white that uh, when a creature with power two or less enters the battlefield under control, it gains flying. Then we took inside source, three mana, one, one plus a two, two. And then I did take analyst over sprite because I think analyst is, I think the gap there is too big. I think analyst is far and away the best card in this pack. And I'm happy to go green, white and abandon the private eye. Like, I don't think I have to stick to my guns. And I agree with you. I should have just taken binding. Pick one. I'm not disputing that anymore. Sure. But like, I still don't, I don't think that means as I obviously did when I did this, but I'll stand by taking analyst here because I think analyst is way too good to pass here. And crime stopper sprite is not like, it's not make or break in blue white detectives. It's good there, but you'll get stuff to do. That's effective at three mana on your curve. Yeah. So I guess I hear, I hear everything you're saying there. And I like that you're, you're sticking up for the analyst pick. I think to me it has to do with and not not that one like not that you have no, no, to you, take Crime Stopper Sprite. I think I can, this is I can more take like, it. You can you can well, give me but I, this is more I think a lens into how I'm viewing the format, which yeah. is like I feel like my first picks in this format say a lot about where I want to end up. And I think if if I can get into white in some of the more like and when I've been playing on MTGO, I feel great about it, right? Because white is really good. So I think if I have that private eye market watch phantom inside source, like I think when I look through the rest of the log, you you've bopped and weaved here to me, what seems like kind of unnecessarily. Hmm. Whereas if you, if you take Sprite, then all of a sudden you can take arrival. Then all of a sudden you can take any of the white or blue cards. You could, like you can just be blue, white detectives at the end of this pack. If, if you wanted to, like if you had, if you take crime stopper Sprite pick four, so I think there is like there's a there's a and like obviously hindsight's 2020 and the way the packs broke and everything. But there is something in my mind about like beginning of the draft, making a statement about where you're wanting to go and then going there if it seems open. And if it doesn't like being willing to flip or pivot at that point. But I'm trying to do it deep into one color. 
Because I think yeah. that gives you the most flexibility to either say, I'm going to hold on to this color and do this thing, or, okay, this isn't quite open. I got to find another open color to pair with this one, but I can still play this color. Yeah. All of this is selling me on why I should have taken binding pick one. It's not quite selling it's me. It's not selling you on the aftermath analyst pick. Right. Sure. Because I also really like pack one pick five. You talked about I can take auspicious arrival, which is the one in a white instant target creature gets plus two plus two until end of turn investigate. There's a pick five blood spatter analysis, which I think is great if you're black red, which is the black red enchantment deals three to a creature. And whenever one or more creatures dies, you mill a card, you put a counter on this thing. When it has five counters, you return uh, a creature from your graveyard to your hand. In black red specifically, this card is excellent i think and pack one pick five i mean black red is one of the worst archetypes in the format i don't think it's crazy that it could be open at the table seeing it pick five and i'm happy which is again selling me on just take binding like don't force your way into blue white if blue white's open you'll be happy and if not then you can be white x or you can bob and weave as you did and take analyst fourth take analysis fifth see what's up and then i'm just giving weight to seeing i see a pick seven locks it on eavesdropper which i think is way too late for that card and then i see yeah i could have been detectives and like there's a thinking cap that wheels in my first pack but bite down on crime is still here and that seems absurd to me and so i sort of take that as signally again bringing me back to if you're gonna put this much weight in signals then you can't take private eye first yes sure yeah that that i think we can definitely agree on and to to the other point of your your route through the draft it seems like I think where the where the difference of opinion is coming in, like I normally I dr I draft that way too, like where I like I, you're fine taking aftermath analyst into blood spatter analysis and you know none of private eye aftermath analyst blood spatter analysis are going to end up in the same deck likely like maybe right. blood spatter analysis will end up in your green deck splashing either half of the card but I haven't I personally haven't liked drafting that the format that way yeah. Normally, and normally I do like I have been a little more one color focused, like staying open that way. Yeah, I think that's totally reasonable. And, and again, selling selling me more and more on taking binding first. Can we take a look at one other log real quick, please? OK, so this was a single limb. We had a little like limited meeting. We actually had a really cool thing um, with Team Sanctum where we there were eight of us. We did a pod draft like on the whatever draft mancer. And then rather than play out the games, we just got on a call and one by one looked at the decks and chatted about them. And like it was I thought I was sort of like kind of rolling my eyes at doing that. I, like, <laughs> I don't know about this, but it was actually really the, the thing that was so helpful was hearing people looking at what was in your sideboard and going, why is that what you chose to play over this? And like hear people's defense of something or someone like you have three people telling you like, oh, you should be playing this card over that. It's like, oh, now I see like how this how works. the pieces fit together yeah so that was really helpful that sounds like my dream just not having to yeah, play the no games play. getting compliments on the deck i drafted <laughs> and then six six of us hopped into one of those single limb queues so this is my draft from that so pack one pick one another makeshift binding coming up a common where are you at makeshift binding versus right next to it is inside source i know i was just asking myself that question i i think it's binding. I think it's binding. I think it's too. binding, but I love inside source so much. Which is wild that white gets makeshift binding inside source and an inspector and dog walker. Yeah, like, <laughs> the commons are so deep. It's pretty juiced. Um, moving on to the uncommons, there's a torch. The witness X and a red source redeals twice X damage to target creature. If excess damage was dealt to it, you investigate. There's perimeter enforcer, 
One on a white, one, one flying lifelink. Whenever another detective enters the battlefield under your control and whenever a detective you control is turned face up, it gets plus and plus one until end of turn. Where are you at with enforcer versus makeshift binding? I, this, that's what I saw when I looked at this pack. It's I was hard, like, right? Oh my God. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I would st- I think I would take Enforcer. I think I would too, because of it's, it's a premium two drop. It's Just very good. Premium. And then luckily, I think we get to pass some white. I'm curious if you agree with this. The rare in the pack, or one of the two rares, one of the three rares, good lord, these play boosters, is uh, Cranko's Buzzcrusher. Two red red for a 4-4 four, four artifact creature with flying and trample, and then has a bunch of text for blowing up Lotus Field that we don't care about. Where, where are you at here? Uh, I don't know. I I think I would take a white card. Initially, I, I I was like thinking the white cards were the pick. And then I saw you took Buzz Crusher and I was like, OK, maybe this is a spot where you give the tiebreaker to the red card. You ship the white like because, you know, you're going to put a bunch of other people into the white. But there's also Torch the Witness, too. So you don't even really get that benefit. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I want to be white enough and i'm i'm this is like a personal decision for me i i have not had much experience starting heavy red and so i think i would take perimeter enforcer because i mean i feel much more confident in my ability to start white and draft a white deck or if white isn't open pivot out of it into another good deck then i feel confident in my ability to start heavy red with something like buzz crusher and i think i don't think it's a slam dunk either way like i think you can make a case for any of the white cards being kind of close in power level to buzz crusher i agree I, th- I think you could you probably make arguments for any of the four of those cards personally um and then torch the witness as a as a honorable fifth mention i took the buzz crusher with i think the tiebreaker for me being shipping three white cards like i i felt better about shipping three white cards plus torch versus take enforcer ship two white cards two red cards and i think when the margins are so close as i felt they were here that that was a reasonable tiebreaker. Yeah. Pack one, pick two. Ripples are in effect, Ben. They, they are. So for me, the only option, I think, as a follow-up is Blood Spatter Analysis. That's, the again, the aforementioned black-red removal spell. Deal three as an enchantment and then can eventually get something back. Because a red common is a fender at large. The four and a red, five, four. It's turned face up or enters the battlefield. A creature gets plus two, plus oh. This card is an overperformer just as a shout. But if you had started with a white card, you get some goodies here too. Well, so that's my question for you. So yeah. you, you said you feel like blood splatter analysis is the only option for you. There's also an inside source in the pack, two and a white for a one, one, make a two, two detective. Can I sell you on? I, I really think inside source is the correct pick here over blood splatter analysis. Well, you have to say more than can I sell you? Okay. So I think blood I think spatter analysis. Can. I think blood spatter analysis is largely sorcery speed galvanized. Not not absolutely that way, but it is the ceiling is not super high on blood spatter analysis. It's it's good if you trigger it, but that's a that's a tough ask, and in an archetype that you'd hope to not be at the PT yeah. for, versus a premium common in a color that you very much want to be. That like some number of people are going to get to draft white like, at every bottom of the doesn't have to not like, be me. Why? Yeah. Why not you? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. is there is there a world where you take inside source here and then like try to get into white? And then also what this does is if red is cut. Yeah, this leaves you pivot room off yep. of red. Like, I do really think there's a cost to in this format taking gold cards early that you're 
going to end up cutting from your deck. Yeah. Because so many of the single colored cards are so good too. Okay. I'm into it. So I was thinking about like, and maybe this is just wrong because you say like, you're supposed to just never like put stock in the signals you send or whatever. But like, I've made a statement with my first pick by taking Buzz Crusher and passing three white cards that are very good. I've made a statement. But there's still 44 picks left. There's not. There's 38 picks left. Oh, but. rip. <laughs> Rest in peace, <laughs> draft boosters. But, and I, I agree. I'm, I'm saying this like, as I'm not agreeing with this logic, but I think this was my logic at the time was like, so then just keep shipping the white. With a card that I'm happy with. Like, I am happy with Blood Spatter Analysis. I'm happy to be black-red if that's what's open. But that the if that's what's open part of things is, I think, certainly not going to be apparent. Pack one, pick two. And Inside Source just gives me so many options. It gives me outs to being in the best deck. It gives me outs to pivoting off of Buzz Crusher. And if white's not open, big deal. Then I've got a Buzz Crusher, and I can pair that with what is open. Right. I think, like, I think they're close enough in power level that, like, like I, I don't know. I've really been valuing power in the draft, like like because of Says all. Says the man who things. doesn't want to take Dog Walker first, but yeah, okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I ha, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm just doing it wrong with that card. I've I've really only liked it a ton in in heavy, red heavy white. white go wide. Yeah, like specifically red white. But that's probably a me thing because everyone says that card is incredible. But I think it's more about like hoping to give myself chances like the best drafts like are where you get a clear lane right and so if you take inside source and you get to play red white great but if your lane is not clear you still get to play likely one of these two cards but it's a disaster in this format i think if you have to not i mean there's a lot of good cards not a disaster if you have to abandon buzz crusher and blood spatter analysis but i just don't like missing out on the chance to potentially get into the best deck or and or like just close yourself off from potentially drafting the best color yeah no i think that's right and we don't have to go much deeper than that we don't don't have to go super deep but i mostly what i want to chat about with these logs is that that concept is Mm -hmm. that there's there's really big ripple effects from what you choose to do in the first four picks about what what kinds of decks you can or can't get into I've been such a, for years, a take gold cards early apologist, but I think you're like these, these two spots are pretty bad. I think the taking private eye and the taking blood spatter analysis. Well, but some of, some of that's why this, that's why I like this format so much Yeah, is because like in like, so for example, in LCI, you're taking a gold card because the gold cards are the best cards. Like the gold cards aren't that right. much better than like right. a lot of the single colored cards you're like there's a lot of really busted single colored cards here too or if you take some single colored cards and find the right gold color pair like you're also going to end up with busted gold cards from finding the right color pair too like it's hard to not end up with a good deck if you keep yourself open to as many possibilities as possible and so i like i actually haven't really liked taking gold cards early yeah in this format for that reason because i trust that down the road the good cards are coming and I just want to set myself up for the maximum chances to hit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to find you, I'm going to get you a draft log before Wednesday where you're going to be proud, dad. (laughs) (laughs) I promise you, dude, I, 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 I'm I'm so hyped for you. I could not be more proud of you heading into the PT, like with all the pioneer prep you've been putting in and like the draft log. I, Chicago, like I, I want to know what your your excitement level is. Probably not as high as mine because you probably have anxiety wrapped I'm up so in there. So anxious, yeah. 
<laughs> like I am at a 10 out of 10 for Chicago. Like <laughs> it just feels like all upside for me. Cause I'm not, I'm not in the PT. Like we're going to make some content. I get to cheer you on. What's, what's your, what's your excitement level for Chicago? I'm very, give me, give me a number. I, I keep trying to like, I just really want to like, I mean, my bar is like, I think kind of low. I'm like, I just want a day two. I just want to do two drafts at the PT. That seems good. But like, I don't it's know. Hard do. It's hard, hard to do. It's hard to do. And well, look, my, here's my thought. I'm like, just two, one construct, two, one draft, two, three constructed. I can do that. seems doable. That does seem doable when you put doable, it that way. Right? It can't be that hard to day two at the PT. I don't think so. <laughs> Pros don't know how to draft. Come on. We say that all the time. Uh, <laughs> I think that, yeah, it's just like the, the, uh, as someone has told me, it's a bit of a rite of passage, but I have had so many 11th hour like deck crisis of faiths for constructed of like it's very easy to be like i mean i've locked in half a dozen decks of like oh i'm definitely gonna play this at the pt and then you two three a league with it on magic online you're like this deck stinks i stink i'm gonna scrap the whole thing i should learn something new and then time's running out and it's just stressful I don't know. Yeah, a peek behind the scenes here. We always talk about the end of the podcast. This morning, Ethan was telling me about deck selection processes. And he was like, but there's this other deck that's pretty good. And I was like, so play that. And he was like, you cannot do this to me right now. Like, do not. You cannot question my choices in constructive. This is actively harmful to my PT prep. It's hard because I'm like, I'm like, I wish we had figured this deck out three weeks ago because maybe I would have learned it. But there's no time. No time. And how do you yeah. get the card? That's the other thing. I mean, I, don't, I have a great community, but part of the stress is always like getting the cards. Like, I've got my, I got my deck right here. Still have, still have three cards that I'll be collecting in Chicago from someone. Like getting paper cards is stressful. Yeah, yeah. You can't just go to goat bots or whatever and be like, "All right, add to cart." <laughs> it's not yeah, that easy, for sure. All right, any parting thoughts before we go here? See you in Chicago. See you in Chicago. Ooh, feels so good. On that note, thank you as always to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you so much to CoolStuffInc.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over there for any and all purchases, please use checkout code LOL when you do so to let them know we sent you there. And more importantly, to get 5% off of anything you purchase, you can find all of our content on LordsOfLimited.com. That's our website. You can find links to our tier list, links to our merch, courtesy of Public, links to the Patreon page so you can give back and get in on the Discord and meet up with us in MC Chicago, uh, links to our episode backlog, our other content via YouTube and Twitch, all of that on LordsOfLimited.com. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later.